0: Would you like to feel more gratitude and deeper levels of happiness in your life? I certainly do. Hear unique insights from my guest, Peter Billingham, on this episode of Stand Out Get Noticed. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 289 of Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm Christina Canters, communication skills trainer, speaker, and MC. So it's the end of the year, which is usually a really beautiful time for reflection. So that's the theme of this episode. You'll be inspired to cultivate greater gratitude for what you have and deeper happiness by using a specific technique of consciously focusing on what you have had in the past. And I'm really excited for you to meet my guest, Peter Billingham. In fact, you may have heard him before on the podcast. He joined me for episode 55, feels so long ago. Um, that was on how to start a speaking business from scratch. And he was also on episode number four of my very first podcast, Presentation Skills for Design students, which was literally nine years ago, such a long time ago. So I have known Pete for a very long time. So I'm I'm thrilled to have him on the podcast again. Pete is a eulogy writer, a celebrant and an author, and he's here to share his unique reflections on life, death and getting older. So if you're freaking out about another year passing and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? This episode is for you. Pete also shares stories from his latest book, Gathering Rosebuds in Kerala, which is a memoir about storing life's special moments. Show notes are at thecmethod.com slash 289. Make sure you go there because Pete does share some free resources just for you. All right, let's meet Pete Billingham.
1: Standing so close to death, I always think, has given me a richer perspective of life. And I might just have to sort of let, let me backtrack slightly. I, I'm, a, I'm a eulogy speechwriter and a celebrant, and that wasn't necessarily the, <laughs> the, the plan. It is such a blessing that I've been able to stand next to and tell the story of the person inside there. And I think when you've stood next to so many people who have passed away and you're in front of all their loved ones and you're trying to find the right words to say to help them in that situation, it can't help but have an impact on you. I think you would be a very hard person if for some reason it didn't have some kind of impact on you. And I have to say sometimes it's not always positive. I think that it actually can have quite a negative impact on me. I need to to try to find things to balance that in my life because life sometimes is... A bit strange, it comes with no guarantees. Life is the most beautiful, amazing, fantastic thing, and it can be the most heartbreaking, sad, tragic thing. And yet in the midst of all that, we have the story of our life. And I love what the author Margaret Atwood said. She says, in the end we all become stories. And I, I, as a eulogy speechwriter and as a celebrant, I have had the privilege and the honour and the joy, really, to be able to learn about someone, someone I didn't know, and then try to find a way to encapsulate in, in just in a few words, really, you don't get much time, something about them. I've had the joy and the honour to write those things, those stories. So that is not like a normal speaking situation, but it's been a blessing and an (laughs) honour to do that.
0: Absolutely. Your latest book, Gathering Rosebuds in Kerala, you know, you talk a lot in there about gathering life's special memories, and we'll we'll speak more about that, of course. Is Your line of work in writing these eulogies for people and and gathering stories of other people's lives, is that what inspired you to write the book or was it something else?
1: Yeah, it was actually a couple of things. But one of the things definitely is that part of the process is whether it's I'm writing a eulogy online for somebody who's somewhere else in the world or it's locally where I live, I, I end up sitting down with people, whether it's virtually or whether it's literally physically with them. Just to ask them some questions, and if I sort of said, for instance, you know, tell me about your dad, where do you start with a question like that? And so I've found that there is times that I've built up this storehouse of questions that start the process of a memory, and it's amazing that when you think of one thing. It leads you on to another and it leads you on to another and it leads you on to another. And quite often what starts to happen is if I say to somebody, tell me about your family and your life, they start to remember what I would say are these special moments in life. They talk about the holidays that they went on, the celebrations that the family had together, the way dad did this quirky dad dance at the wedding and, and they tell me about tears and laughter and they tell me about what maybe at the time might have been something very simple. And yet now, when they look back, it's absolutely precious and and vital in the life because circumstances have changed. Now, the other times, I will sometimes say to somebody, how did your mum and dad meet? And they go, I don't know. And then what starts to happen is I see this sort of like realisation that, comes down the face in that they'll never know. And they'll say to me what I always think is the saddest sentence I ever hear. I wished I'd asked them while well, I had the chance. And I think it's really important that not only do we ask those people around us that we love about the special moments of their life, but I also think it's about ourselves ourselves and the special moments that we have. And that's what this book was about. It was about the importance in my life of trying to remember those key things. Because so often I'd heard the stories of other people saying things that they didn't know. And I I didn't want that to be the case maybe for me and my family. But also I wanted to inspire others to take that opportunity and say, your life is an incredible story. There's no such thing as an ordinary life. And someday somebody's going to try to tell that story of your life. So why don't we start to document some of those special memories? So that was really the source of it. And maybe if I tell you there was two things really why I wrote the book. The book is called Gathering Rosebuds in Kerala. And it's a memoir about storing life's special moments. And it's these two things. It's this idea of rosebuds. How do we turn a special memory, a special moment into a story, and how do we keep it? And the second thing is about a trip I took to India with my wife to celebrate my 60th birthday or my upcoming 60th birthday. And I think so many times in my life, travel has always been a place of special memories, special moments have happened.
0: I found it really interesting in your book how you did mention about how we often, when we think about the future and the past, we tend to think about the future as being in front of us and we tend to always be looking forward. You know, what's the future bring? What goals do we have? What are we working towards? Just working, working, working towards that thing that we want to achieve, whether it's a promotion, a house, family, and then the past is something that's behind us but you wrote in your book about how some cultures view it the opposite way, where we're actually looking forward into our past. Can you explain more about why that's significant <laughs> for them?
1: Well, you know, it's hard to get your head around that. And when I came across that idea, it, it was just one of those things that just really, you know, sometimes you read something, and you think, oh, that's fascinating. And it was this idea that some cultures in the world, as you said, don't think like we do. They don't think that they're going forwards into their future. They're actually going into the past. Now, if you think about that, every day that you live, instead of it being a day less that you can live, it's a day more that you've lived and your future, because you're looking into that, is getting bigger and bigger and bigger instead of it getting less. So for me, 60, instead of looking forward and saying, you know, if I'm lucky, I might have another 20 years, you can say, actually... Instead of that, like a clock counting down, it's actually the other way around. It's like a clock counting up. Look at all this future that I can look into, which is my past. Now, I do recognize it's hard to get your head around that idea, but I think it's a lovely idea that every day we live is one more day to capture the special moments that have happened in our life, which brings such a richer awareness of this present moment. Instead of trying to chase what's in front of us and, like you say, you know, where are we heading and what are we going to do, actually what it makes, I think, for me is it makes me realise how important now is, how important this present moment is, not about what happened in the past, what's going to happen maybe in the future, but how important this this moment is, this day is.
0: It's really interesting because whenever I read about spiritual books or books about, you know, enlightenment and happiness and all that. They very much talk about being present in the moment and how you know true happiness is really being present in the moment. But your perspective is I know that you you wrote this. It's really about you wrote we cultivate greater gratitude and deeper happiness by consciously focusing on what we have had in the past. I mean to me that's a really nice way of giving the present some context. Do you have an example of one of your memories that enables you to enjoy the present more?
1: This is the, what this idea of this rosebud is. It comes from a poem and it's mm. about this, you know, it's, it's capturing the moment now so that you can sort of relive it. So for me, for instance, in let's take an example with this book, because I took the moment to watch what was happening around me, to take a greater detail of it, to document those things, If I pick this book up now, because I've got this story in front of me, I live that story again today. And it brings such a richer perspective into my life. The truth is, we forget most of what happens in our life. And a lot of our life is, I don't want to call it mundane, but we go shopping, we go for a cup of coffee, we clean the house, we go to work. It's just, the, it's just the normal things of life. And yet there are these special moments that happen that if we stop and we take time to think about them and document them, at some point I could relive a meeting and an adventure that I took place in India. I can smell it all again. I can have the conversations again. Taking the time to document the special moment from the past in my present today it's there it makes this day richer
0: have you heard of the experiment where they that someone gets you to imagine biting into a lemon and you can actually feel your body has a physiological response just to the thought of biting into a lemon and that what you were saying Pete reminded me of when we can recall these happy joyful memories Our body doesn't actually know that it's not happening right now because we're bringing up that memory. We can actually relive those joyful feelings or whatever feeling it was at the time as if it is in the moment again.
1: If we take the trouble to document that moment and to remember it. And some of the most special moments I've learned in talking with families are the simple things in life. It's like we can have a normal event take place, but it becomes special for us. Let me give you an example. I could sit on a beach and watch the sunset hand in hand with my wife and it was the same sunset for millions, but it was a unique moment for us. It was a rosebud moment because for us, that ordinary event became a special event. So sometimes these special moments could be common to all, but actually they're special to us. Things that have happened Could have happened to millions of people before me. But when it happens to me, when it happens to you, it's my story. It's your story.
0: You only talk about documenting them, Pete. Are you like literally writing them down? Do you have a specific process for documenting rosebud moments?
1: Yes, I do. I mean, obviously in this instance with this particular book, trip to india that was part of the reason i'd never written a memoir and so i thought i'd love to do that so that that's obviously but that you don't need to do that you practically what you could do simply you could carry a notebook with you you could use your phone these days all of us most of us have always got our phone and there's enough apps and things even simple things that you can do that when a moment happens or a memory is recalled you just jot it down and memories that are recalled to us are often, I think, like a little bit like one memory is a bridge to another memory. One of the questions I say to people is, is there a smell that you associate maybe with your your mum? And often people say, oh, she always wore a certain perfume. And then they say, you know, I used to sit and watch when she used to put her makeup on. And she used to let me wear her clothes. And then she taught me how to put makeup on. And, and it's almost like all these memories start just filtering back. And what I would encourage people to do is to take a moment and maybe just think about the past and just document. It might just be a word could be or a couple of words. could be dad's Sunday mornings washing the car. That was course, what dad always did. And then there is a way, and, and this is one of the things that I want to do for your listeners. I, I want to give you a copy of a workbook that I wrote that comes with the memoir, which teaches you how to do that, to take that recollection, could be a sunset on a beach, my first kiss or whatever it might have been, and you just put a note down. But then there is a process that says, now, now you've got that note. What can you do with it? How can you expand on that? How can you turn that into a mini story, let's say, from your life? It will teach you how to recall these memories, to sort them, and then to write them into little stories, which you can keep. And these days, I mean, you can keep it in a notebook, you can keep it on your phone, but it does take time to do that. It's an intentional thing. suddenly find that there is great value in doing it.
0: That intentional part of it makes it different to just reminiscing, Because like oftentimes, you know, when you get together with people and you have a good old chat and you're talking about, oh, remember that funny thing happened back when we were at uni or back in when we had so-and-so's birthday, documenting it is different to simply just having a yarn with your mates.
1: It is, but it's like after that event, it's taking a moment or even if you can in the moment, just writing down, university story, when I got drunk and fell out the window And it's actually surprising when you start to do that, how many of these things that were in the past that you'd, not that you'd forgotten, but they're not there in the front of your mind. And to be honest, you forget. And if you don't tell the stories, you don't document them, those stories are lost.
0: What if someone is reminiscing or thinking about some of the stories from their life and their Finding that they have mostly sad stories or, you know, stories that are, are not necessarily happy moments.
1: Yeah. One of the things that sitting with hundreds of people is you recognize that actually life can be very difficult. And a lot of times things can happen to us out of our control. And some of the stories that I tell are very sad stories. But even sometimes in difficult circumstances, you can choose to look at how even in there, there might be the slightest tiny little bit of hope. I came across by Frankl, Viktor Frankl is a a well-known writer who wrote a very famous book called Man's Search for Meaning. He was in Vienna during the Second World War and as a Jew, he got taken to Auschwitz. And he had a unique insight into what was happening there and in his life, in the fact that his training and his discipline had been psychology and he could see things slightly differently. And one of the things he noticed was that those people, even in the most difficult of tragic and awful circumstances, he always says that there is this moment between what happens to us and how we choose to respond to that. And that's where our freedom lies.
0: You did write in your book, and I, I highlighted this, this quote where you wrote, the ultimate rosebud for gathering is my willingness, even in the face of tragedy, to search for the space between overwhelming grief and loss and choose my response. And I thought that was a beautiful sentiment to share. And look, I think even if you were to look back and notice that you really, really have you know sad memories or you have a, a negative view of your life, You can always shift that. doesn't mean that just because you have negative memories of your past doesn't mean that you can't create new, more positive memories moving forward. And even that might help you to even shift the way that you view some of
1: your past memories as well. There is sometimes even the most simplest of moments can bring joy. You could smile at a stranger and you can have a conversation with a stranger. The fact that you could offer some kindness or somebody could offer some kindness to you. It doesn't need to be a great big demonstration of something. Sometimes it can be the most simplest of things in a difficult situation that could bring the joy. And, And often people say to me when they've lost someone that they love, it might just be one phrase that somebody said to them about the person that they've lost that gives them hope. It gives them um, comfort. It gives them support. So uh, yeah, you're right. Even even if somebody's life is very difficult now, we get a choice. What are we going to look at? Are we going to look at the rubbish? Are we going to try and so- sort through all that rubbish, even if the rosebud is only a smile that somebody gives me?
0: Do you have a, a time in your life where you've had a rosebud moment like that?
1: Yeah, there's been times when life has been difficult in all sorts of different reasons. I'm not, I don't want to make sound this as if this is all spiritual or anything like that at all, but sometimes you get a gut response. Oh, you know, I haven't heard from John for a long time. Hmm. And we can sometimes just let that <laughs> it goes. I've started to learn, I think it's probably because I'm getting older. I need to act on that. I need to give John a ring. It may be that there's no reason why I should give him a ring, but maybe there again, it could be. And this is what happened for me one day. I was going through a few trying times and a friend of mine who I hadn't spoken to for a long time rang me up and said, how are you doing, Pete? And he reminded me of something that we'd done together that made me laugh and uh, brought me a bit of joy in that moment. And that was like being on the end of a, a, a rosebud when I needed it. And so I try to do, don't get me wrong, Christian. I'm not perfect I, you know, I don't do this, you know, get this right all the time, I don't. But if I get an intuition about, you know, I haven't heard from anybody for ages or somebody comes into my mind for some reason, I take the trouble now, if I can, to just, how can I respond to that?
0: I think that's lovely and I've experienced that as well. I've got a friend, one in particular, who I'll be thinking of her and then I'll send her a text and then she will literally send me a text going, "I was just about to call you," you know, because we were just we just happen to be to be thinking of each other. That happens a lot, and I agree. You need to keep an eye out for those intuitive pulls, you know, or those gut feels that that tell you because you just don't know how much of a difference you might be making in someone's day. Pete, I know that you reached your sixty year milestone a couple of years ago, which I know was a big deal for you because you wrote, you went to India and you wrote a whole book about it. But thinking about what you know now after all of the wonderful adventures that you've had in your life, what advice would you have for your 20-year-old self if you could go back and share some things with 20-year-old Pete to maybe give, give, give him a boost?
1: <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be wonderful if we could do that? If I could go back to Peter, his 20-year-old, I would say to him, probably you just don't know how exciting your life is going to be. Because when I was 20, I was a butcher. I was behind a shop counter as a butcher and I loved being a butcher. I really enjoyed being a butcher. And I was just about to get married. I got married when I was 21. And uh, when you're in that age, you, you you know, the future is ahead of you, isn't it? You've got all this excitement, you think, and, and yet you're worried about trying to get a house. You're trying to make a life. You're trying to build a relationship. And you perhaps don't know just how exciting your life is. Could be, and I think if I could go back to Peter who was twenty, I'd say, "Hey, you just don't know the ride that you're going to have over the coming years. Just be where you are at the moment and be open to the opportunities that are going to come your way, and uh, don't stress too much about, you know, what was that book? Don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff, isn't it, or something like that? Yeah, you know, don't worry about some of the things <laughs> you're worrying about now because they're not important. They're not important. Enjoy today."
0: Mm, I love that <laughs> and um so I'm I'm 36 and I know when a lot of people hit that 30 they turn 30 they have this freak out because they're like oh no I'm 30 and I thought I've I should have achieved and I went through the same thing I should have achieved XYZ by now or whatever and then they get to 40 and then there's another freak out about all these things that society expects us to have done by 40. What advice or words of wisdom can you share to the people who are sort of hitting those milestones and feeling this sense of urgency or just freaking out about the fact that they are getting older?
1: Yeah. Many years ago, I heard a, a message by a guy called John Ortberg. Uh, he was a preacher, actually. And he wrote uh, this great, um, and it was, I think it turned into a book, and it was called Everything Goes Back in the Box. And he says, life is like playing a game of Monopoly. You can go around the board and you can start to accumulate these assets. You can get yourself some houses and some hotels and you can have all these things. But at the end of the game, everything goes back into the box. <laughs> and it, for, I love for me, I, I know, I mean, it, 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 you know, this is one of the beauties about speaking, isn't it? You know, if you can find that tagline that, I mean, all these years, I mean, that must be, I don't know, years and years ago I heard that. and yet yeah, still there. So that was a good speech he did. The truth is when I sit with people and they look back over their life, the things that are precious to them and not the house, not the car, not the great you know, all all the stuff around them that they've had, while all those things are lovely and they're nice and they're great to have and there's nothing wrong with having all those things at all. Actually, what people talk about most is love, it's kindness, it's generosity, it's family, it's friends. Those are the things when a life has all been wrapped up and it's gone into a box. Those are the things that matter.
0: Well, Peter, that was a lovely sentiment to almost close this conversation. I want to express my gratitude and thanks for sharing your wisdom with us on the podcast. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Well, I'm not too sure about wisdom. I think it's just life experience as well, and I think just learning from the situation I've been in. And I suppose to anybody listening, let me just inspire you, really, and encourage you. You know, you're going to be listening to this at the end and the beginning of a new year. And although it's just time, there is always this moment, isn't there, where one year clicks over into another year, and it feels as if we should have all these. I always call them intentions rather than New Year's resolutions because we end up breaking them, don't we? I think it's a better to call them a New Year's intention rather than a New Year's resolution is to take a moment. And as you document those stories, you'll relive them again. Carry a notebook with you. Open the app on your phone. And just when something from the past comes back, don't think about it too much. Just pop it down. And as we move into 2023, my inspiration will be to use to see if you can document a special moment from your life, maybe once a week or once a day. Uh, because you you know if you've been blessed to have so many moments, then fill up a notebook, fill up an app with all those special moments from the past.
0: Love it. Thanks Pete. And can you remind everyone if they're interested to grab a copy of your book or to connect with you where can they do that?
1: Yeah, the book is called Gathering Rosebuds in Kerala, a memoir about storing life's special moments and you can get it on Amazon. And there is a few different versions. There's um, a hardback and a paperback and an ebook of course, but there is also a large print version and a dyslexic friendly version. Of the book. And what comes with it is this workbook, but I'm going to give you a copy. You can have a copy of the workbook for free. And there's also a gratitude journal that's there as well that you can buy at Amazon. The best way to get hold of me is through info at peterbillingham.com. And that'll take you to a website that actually is just um, a bit of a portal and it'll give you pointers to everything else that's going on. So... I do hope it's um people have been inspired to start that journey of documenting those special moments in their life. It's a
0: wonderful way to look at it and it was something that I hadn't really considered before. I think I'd kind of document certain moments anyway but not with the same kind of intention as you've shared. So thanks Pete. I'm I'm sure everyone listening has gotten a lot out of this conversation. A huge thanks to Peter Billingham for being such a wonderful and generous guest on the show this week. I just loved this conversation, loved his insights. You can find out more about Pete and what he does as well as check out um, the resources that he mentioned, so the workbook and a free copy of the book. He's very generously made available for podcast listeners, for you. You can get that at the show notes, which is at thecmethod.com slash 289. That's thecmethod.com slash 289. The link is also in the description of this podcast in your app. If you enjoy this episode, do share it with a friend. It's a great way to get the podcast out to more people. And finally, thank you for spending some time with me today. Have a wonderful Christmas, a very safe and happy festive season, and I will see you next year, 2023. I'm Christina Cantors, and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.
1: Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is the first thing I want to do, okay?
0: Oh, welcome back, everyone. It's episode number four. I hope you're all doing marvellously today. Now, I'm super pumped for today's episode because I am interviewing... Professional speaker, visionary leader, and exceptional.
1: Storyteller. <laughs> what what a build up you <laughs> gave me! I tell you what, I don't even know that that was me that you were talking to. Do you know, Christina? That is nine years ago. Where have nine years gone? Oh my god, nine years! I was
0: thirty. Uh, sorry, twenty six when we did that interview. It feels like forever ago. Episode four. You know how many episodes I've done? I did. I did. 39 episodes of that first podcast, and now I'm up to episode 286 of this podcast.
1: Well done, you. Well done, you. That is excellent. Talk about persistence and keeping at it. Well done, you, (laughs) Christina. That is outstanding.
0: Thank you. And I remember when I first um, spoke with you, Peter, on the podcast, I think you were my first, the first person I didn't know already who I, had on the podcast. Like you weren't a friend, you know, like you weren't someone who I had already had a a relationship with. And I was so nervous. And I remember you made it so easy for me because you're such an experienced speaker. All I did was just stumble through my first question and you were off and you just went off. And I remember like having, (laughs) feeling this huge (laughs) sigh of relief, like, Oh, this is good. I barely have to do anything. I just let Pete do his thing. (laughs) So I, I appreciate you for helping me out in my very early stages of my podcasting career.
1: Yeah, but well done, Christina. I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, there's a lot of people that start things and it really is difficult to continue sometimes because, you know, nine years, let's be honest here, nine years is an incredible time to keep working at a podcast and you stuck at it and uh, look at the re- rewards. And, uh, you know, maybe for one of your listeners today that they're just in the early stage of something because they don't know where it's going to go and they don't know whether it's going to work and they're, they're stumbling over the words or whatever it might be. Persistence beats anything else.